Warning. The following presentation contains information that might contradict what you have previously heard, or believed to be true, about how the human body works, and contains material that is not suitable for closed-minded individuals. Enjoy! And the way we get over it is by controlling inflammation. And this is where we can follow our RICE acronyms. We can rest a little bit. Rest doesn't mean sitting on the couch. It simply means not working at the level that caused the injury. We may need to ice a little bit. We may need to compress the area a little bit. We may need to elevate the area a little bit, particularly if we're looking at the lower extremities, the legs and the thighs and the hips. Resting gives me a chance to recover. It gives me a chance to allow for the tissue to undergo its repair signals. Ice compression and elevation is going to control the amount of fluid moving into the tissue. And by controlling the amount of fluid moving into the tissue, it's going to allow me to control inflammation. But we can add something to this. We can add anti-inflammatories. Our body naturally has an anti-inflammatory hormone, and that's cortisol. Cortisol does a very good job at helping to control inflammation. But the problem is, is that the response that we see in an attempting to control inflammation and attempting to get over injury is going to be a positive feedback loop, which means we're going to keep getting more and more and more and more of the responsing in an attempt to get rid of the stress signal, which is the injury from workout. When we have too much cortisol, even though we're going to be controlling inflammation, we'll take a look at the cascade of how cortisol works here in a second. Cortisol will also break down additional proteins. It breaks apart proteins in an attempt to help with fuel. It's going to break down proteins so that we get amino acids available to be used in energetic pathways. And if we're going to try to resolve our response within the skeletal muscle to build muscle in response to the workout, we want to control how much cortisol is there. And so we can use other things to help control how much cortisol is there. And that's where the rest, ice compression elevation can help out, as well as the anti-inflammatories. And so let's take a look at how cortisol is going to go about helping to control the inflammation. And then let's take a look at some of the drugs that we might be able to take to help us out in terms of helping cortisol do its activity so we don't get too much cortisol so that we get the, the anti-inflammatory response that we want, but not breaking down all of the proteins that cortisol might break down. So the first thing that's gonna happen is that cortisol is going to activate anti-inflammatory genes. It's going to activate what's referred to as PPARs and an I-kappa-B protein. And what those genes and proteins do is it's going to reduce inflammation by reducing the type of proteins that will be produced by the cells to regulate how much inflammation is taking place. Some of this does it by blocking the NF-kappa-B that gets activated by the immune cells. But the other thing that's going to happen is it's going to block, or what's referred to as repress, secondary proteins, which includes the interleukins, in particular interleukin-1, as well as the receptor for interleukin-1. It's also going to reduce the amount of an inflammatory protein known as COX, C-O-X. 
by blocking COX, by blocking IL-1, by reducing our responsiveness to IL-1, by reducing our responsiveness to the COX protein, what we end up doing is we end up reducing the total amount of inflammation taking place. But the other thing we do is reduce the amount of histamine and other pain signal proteins from being released, which is going to reduce the level of pain being felt. And by reducing the level of pain being felt, we reduce the level of stress. And by reducing the level of stress, we reduce the level of cortisol. That's another way in which the ice within the rest ice compression elevation can help out. When we ice an area down, we cool the area. As we cool the area, what we're able to do is we're able to reduce the rate at which the neurons in the area are sending pain signals, which is going to help with the numbing of an area following an ice treatment. So we've worked out, we're a little sore. We wanna help our body out with getting rid of that soreness. And we say, okay, we're gonna help out our cortisol. One of the easy ways that we can help out our cortisol is by taking over-the-counter anti-inflammatories, which are sometimes referred to as the NSAIDs, the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. And these are the commercial names, things like Aleve, Tylenol, Advil, or commercially referred to as, or scientifically referred to as, or pharmacologically referred to as naproxen, that's the Aleve, ibuprofen, that would be the Advil, and acetaminophen, that would be the Tylenol. And what the NSAIDs are doing is that they're going to function as a complement to the cortisol. They're going to help cortisol out. They're going to help cortisol out in two distinct ways. They're going to work to block prostaglandin release. And they're going to work to block COX-1 and COX-2, the COX proteins, from signaling to cause inflammation. What these do is that they're going to allow for a reduction in inflammation. And when we can reduce inflammation, what we're able to do is we're able to get back to a normal cell function sooner. The other thing that the NSAIDs will do is that they're going to regulate secondary signals coming away from macrophages, from our T cells and from our B cells that are referred to as complementary proteins. These are proteins, these are hormones that the cells release in an attempt to activate additional immune response, to activate more inflammation in particular to distinct cell damage signals known as LPS. If I can reduce the responsiveness to LPS, I'm able to slow down the rate of immune inflammation response so that I don't get excessive response, but just the right amount of response. This is where I can go from having a positive feedback more and more and more and more and more response in an attempt to get rid of the stress to having a partially negative feedback response where I'm going to try to trigger just the right amount of response, where I'm not going to be too much response or too little response. I'm going to be just right response. So we've had this tissue overload. 
we've had muscle, we had muscle overload. We're now responding to the damage. We're having inflammation. The inflammation is taking place. We're trying to resolve the inflammation. Now I need to get changes within the muscle so that I'm no longer going to get damaged based off of the load that caused me to get damaged in the first place. So to the tension overload, I'm going to get additional myofibers. I'm going to get additional proteins within the sarcomere, within the contractile unit of the skeletal muscle, so that I'm able to get more active tension. Since I have more active tension, I have to get tissue, the connective tissue, that's going to be more resistant to stretching to provide more passive tension so that I don't have an excessive length I have to overcome because I'm being stretched out too much at the initial part of the contraction. If it's because of excessive workload, where it's not because I'm doing a single rep beyond what I'm capable of doing, but because I'm doing one or two or five or 10 additional repetitions, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna get a change in my metabolism. I'm gonna get a change in the amount of enzymes that I have available to me so I can keep my energetic pathways going. I'm gonna see more creatine kinase. I'm gonna see more of my AMPK. I'm gonna see more of the anaerobic metabolism enzymes, more pyruvate kinase, more lactate dehydrogenase, more uh, phosphofructokinase within the glycolysis pathway. I'm gonna see more of the mitochondrial enzymes available to me so I can do more ATP for longer periods of time so that I'm able to extend my workload. The two changes that I see is going to allow me to have larger muscles, but also muscles that can work for longer periods of time. And so I have this damaged muscle. I have this damaged muscle. I have to overcome this damage. And so what's happening is that we have the immune response and the immune response is first going to try to brace the area. Once I've braced the area and once I've been able to clear out the damaged tissue, I will now start to have the myoblasts become muscle cells themselves. I'm going to activate the satellite cells to actually become skeletal muscle to start to add myonuclear domain to the skeletal muscle itself, to start to activate fibroblasts, to start to develop collagen and elastin, titan and dystrophin, M-link proteins within the skeletal muscle itself. We don't have any actual functional muscle cell right now. We're working towards having functional muscle cell. We're still kind of sore. We're undergoing our DOMS at this point in time. This is where we have to make sure we're controlling the amount of inflammation taking place. If we start having inflammation taking place during the resolution phase, the skeletal muscle itself will be disrupted and will be replaced with connective tissue that doesn't provide for the correct amount of tensile strength, the correct amount of contraction strength, and can lead to additional muscle damage as well as a reduced range of motion for that muscle. Once I have reestablished the muscle itself, I'm now going to start to grow the muscle. I'm going to grow the muscle. I'm going to undergo hypertrophy 
so that I'm able to produce more strength than, I, than what was able to be produced previously in order to allow for greater strength within the contraction so that I don't get the same damage that I had previously. And so I'm going to start to grow. And I'm going to start to grow. And I'm going to start to grow. And during this growth phase, we're getting an increase in what's referred to as protein synthesis. This is where I want to make sure that nutritionally, I have additional protein and additional carbohydrate and additional lipids available to allow for this growth to take place. This is a highly energy dependent pathway. It's going to take a lot of fuel in order for me to get to grow. And I keep growing and I get lar larger muscles. I get greater cross-section within the muscle fibers themselves. I get greater cross-section within the muscle fascicles themselves. I get greater cross-section within the entire skeletal muscle. And I'm going to keep growing so that I get full resolution. I get a large enough muscle where I am able to balance out how much muscle is now available to me to what was the load that caused the damage to take place. And I'm going to grow so that I got about a 10% to about a 20% window of overshoot. So if I broke at, or if I had damage at a hundred, the resolution will allow me to not experience damage until I get to between 110 and 120. And so what is up happening is I start getting more sarcomere, more of the contractile units within the skeletal muscle itself, more both contractile proteins, the actin and the myosin, plus more structural proteins, the collagen, the elastin, the titan, the dystrophin, and the linking proteins they are going to hold the actin and the myosin together so that when contraction takes place, I'm able to produce a larger amount of tensile strength both passive tensile strength within the connective tissue, as well as active tensile strength within the actin and the myosin within the skeletal muscle itself doing its active contraction. And so what I end up doing is I end up going from having my pre-trained muscle to my post-trained muscle. So my muscle has now adapted. It's gotten larger. The goal that we tend to look at when we start lifting weights is to have larger muscles in order to be able to produce more strength. And the ways we're able to produce more strength is to go through the inflammatory response and allow for resolution to take place to provide for a larger cross-sectional muscle. We can do this and we can get to this point by utilizing the NSAIDs, by utilizing the ibuprofen, by utilizing the naproxen, by utilizing the acetaminophen within the recovery phase. There is some evidence to point out that use of the NSAIDs prophylactically, that is as a preventative treatment, has some benefit in terms of regulating how much inflammation takes place within the exercise bout. But what we do know is that the NSAIDs, regardless of whether we're going to take it prophylactically, take it before we work out, or take it as a, as a uh, treatment to damage taking place within the muscle following workout, is that it's going to limit prostaglandin release. It's going to inhibit the COX pathways. We do see with the prophylactic consumption of NSAIDs a reduced oxidative stress. We do see that with the prophylactic consumption of the NSAIDs, a reduced 
loss of strength development. That means that we're able to keep strength at or near the level that we had prior to. We see improved range of motions, which means we're not going to have the loss of movement that we would normally see if we did not take the NSAIDs. We see an increased rate of resolution and greater protein synthesis taking place following the workout. We see an improved response to our anti-inflammatory hormones, our IL-6, our IL-10, as well as our growth factors, such as insulin-like growth factor, as well as mechanical growth factor, as well as growth hormone, and our androgens like testosterone or adrenal androgen, sometimes referred to as DHEAS, all of which allow for an improved performance in the skeletal muscle, improved gains from resistance training, reduced DOMS, where DOMS is resolved sooner, as well as improved performance within the exercise bout. And so the outcomes that we get is improved muscle function earlier relative to not having treatment with the NSAIDs and greater strength development within the session where the evidence that is being shown is at over-the-counter levels of consumption of the NSAIDs, not at prescription-level therapeutic interventions of the NSAIDs. We'll talk a little bit more in another talk on some of the concepts as it relates to the anabolic response in the nutritional aspects as well as some nutritional aspects that might assist with the resolution of the inflammation taking place from exercise. But thanks for listening. Hopefully you picked up a few new things. I look forward to having you come back for more. If you have questions or if you want to know more, please feel free to reach out to us. We're always happy to hear from you. Don't forget to subscribe so you get alerts to when new videos and podcasts drop, as well as check out the Substack for new written materials.